This is Marvel 616 Politics, episode 24, with Andy Kirby and Jared Mayo. I gotta tell you, Mr. Jared, I that never gets old. Oh, the intro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the intro. It's fantastic. And who picked that out? You know what? I had picked out some birdie nam nam in the very beginning, but I'm thinking that this is probably more appropriate. Yeah, I'm down with that. You, you made a good choice. Oh, thank you, thank you. I knew. I see. I knew you would like the Tina thing. Yeah, it was perfect. I remember here in the first episode, you didn't tell me that you did that. I was like, sweet. <laughs> so how you been? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing good. A lot of stuff has happened since we last talked. Oh, like what? Well, we broke Dropbox, our hosting. The, <laughs> the day it came out, all of a sudden there was like, and I, I emailed him. I was like, what's going on? How come I can't reach my, you know, how come none of my fans can can reach the podcast? And they were like, there was uh, too much suspicious activity going on. on there. I was like, suspicious activity? What are you talking about? They're like, yeah, over 10 gigs of downloads in one day. That's kind of, uh, we cut it off. I was like, <laughs> 10 gigs? Who does that? So apparently more people are listening than I thought, which means that, I'm a little bit more embarrassed at the things that I say. Yeah, we got to clean it up. We got to be better. <laughs> we got to clean up our act. So, <laughs> no, but that was pretty interesting. It it cost me cost me some money to fix that, and then I begged for people on Facebook, and uh, it was like just crickets. I was like, "Hey, anybody want to chip in ten bucks? Anyone?" And they were like, "Oh, yeah, I, I didn't see that post. What what happened there?" <laughs> <laughs> we broke the internet. Ah. <sighs> Well, I mean, it's well worth it. It's well worth it. We we provide such premium content. It's fantastic. You know, and it's only getting better from here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got big plans to say. We do. So what's going on with you? Well, we got a laptop this this week. So Wow, look at you. Help me set everything up. Moving up in the technology world. That's that's amazing. Yeah, dude, I, I'm convinced this is going to be our best episode because you just got to picture it, okay? I'm on my laptop. I'm up in bed. I've got the the heated bed pad on, so I'm nice and warm with my laptop. Pillows. It's nice. <laughs> my comics over here. My computer. My heated bed pad and a glass of water. I couldn't be any happier. Wow! Wow! You sound like you are all set. And here I am at the office, freezing. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I talked to my boss today, and he was like, yeah, we're going on a date, and uh, we're leaving a car here at the office, so um, are you doing your podcast tonight? And I was like, uh, yeah. And he said, oh, so, well, I mean, I'm just coming to pick up the car. Uh, and for a second there, for a split second, I was like, am I allowed to do the podcast at the office? Is that? <laughs> and so, like, he was like, didn't even blink about it. He was like, yeah, sure, you know. And I'm lucky because my my new boss, because I kind of switched jobs here at the office, is an owner of the company. So he's like, yeah, that's cool, whatever. Well, I'm confused. Is, 
So your boss is dating someone in the company and leaving their car there? Because I'm a little more concerned about that than you doing a podcast. Dude, no, they're married. They're going on a date. They're married. The owner is married to your boss? No, 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 no. The owner, who is my boss, is married, and he is going on a date tonight. And they went in two separate cars, and they met here. So your boss is dating someone from work, and they're keeping on the down low by taking two separate cars and meeting at your place. And you're watching the car to make sure the real wife doesn't figure it out? No, that's... That's totally unethical. No, 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 no. He's married and he's going on a date with his wife. Well, then where's his wife's husband? On the date. It's him. And you're the lookout? (laughs) No, I hope nobody's looking out for me. No. No, I'm just... I'm just here doing the podcast, man. Leave me alone. Like that's like the payment. You you get to do the podcast because you're watching out for him. Okay, we're gonna drop this subject. <laughs> okay, I'm just I'm just concerned for you, Andy. I want to try and get this straight for all the our, all of our listeners. <clears throat> no, my boss is a very upright gentleman, and he is he is a faithfully loving married. No, he's married to the to the president's daughter, the president of the company's daughter. Oh, that's shady. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Fantastic. What do we, what do we have on the docket tonight? Any, uh, any other news? Anything else? Dude, guess what I did this week? I even told you. What? I went to work. (laughs) What? Where? I know. I haven't worked for like in a, a real building for almost six months. See, our our listeners don't know that because I haven't mentioned anything. Why, why don't you oh. fill us in on what you're talking about? I have my own business, so I get to stay home and work from home. And uh, I, I'm not involved in corporate America anymore. But I decided a couple, well, last week. I was like, you know, I, I get all my work done. You know, we make money and everything, and we're happy to go. But a lot of the time, I just have downtime during the day. So I applied to be a substitute teacher. I got accepted, and I had my first job yesterday. How was it? Kind of cool. It was cool. It was just weird because, like, I had to get dressed and and like comb my hair and stuff. <laughs> I had to get dressed. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. When you work from home, you can like sit in your boxers and your robe, and you know, eat cereal and and work from your computer and do whatever. But I had to, like, you know, iron my shirt and put on socks. It was really weird. How many people have robes? I, I never understood. Like, isn't it easier just to put on a shirt? I've never had a robe, ever. Oh, well, I, I don't know. It's it's just, uh, there's two different people. There's two kinds of people in the world. Robe people and non-robe people. Or robe people. Both of you? You and Jennifer? Yes, Jennifer's also a robe people. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, it's because Jennifer's cold when it's 80 degrees outside. <laughs> she's rail so thin. <laughs> she's rail thin, though. Have a robe. Yeah, she's like, you know, very skinny. She's skinny, but she's like six feet tall. Oh, and she eats like a horse. <laughs> Whoa, careful. She eats a ton. So it's the, people are always like, you know, you need to make sure she eats. And I'm like, she eats more than I do. She's just fine. Yes, she's but- just skinny. 
<laughs> but that's because she eats more than just chicken nuggets. Yeah, I mean, like, Jennifer, she likes her corn dogs. She likes her corn dogs. Is she as picky an eater as you are? Uh, she's not as picky. I'm slowly teaching her to be. All right, right on. I uh, Halloween was this past Sunday, and we went... Oh, yeah, you have little ones. Yeah, they dressed up as princesses, and then uh, Ellie was a, a ladybug. Oh, Yep, that was cute. cute. We went out into like a kind of a church trunk or treat where everybody pulled up their car, and they had candy at their car, and so you just go around the parking lot. It sounds kind of doofy, but it was actually kind of fun. And uh, we saw, I saw a lot of superheroes. The most obscure superhero costume I saw was American Dream from the MC2 universe. <laughs> For real? Yeah, dude. Like, I don't know if it was just a girl's Captain America costume, but it looked exactly like the American Dream costume. And I did not get a chance to ask her. So oh. I was like... This is crazy. Who in their right mind would dress up in an MC2 costume? <laughs> I'm like, Maybe it was just a, a girl Captain America or something. I guess, but it looked like the the pattern's a little bit different. So, huh. Anyway, you know, I thought that was kind of cool. And, like, I couldn't tell anybody because nobody even knows what MC2 is. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Your girls didn't want to be little superhero girls. They want uh, to be princesses. N yeah, they always want to be princesses. It's a shame, really. So. I thought maybe one might want to be Black Cat. You said that one of them really likes Black Cat. Yeah. Yeah, but that didn't cross their mind when it comes down to it. Last year, last year I went as Peter Parker, but I had the Spider-Man costume underneath just in case anything happened. And But nobody knew I was even dressed up because I looked, you know, because Peter Parker. I went exactly like how um, how Peter Parker looked in the sensational, oh, no, the spectacular Spider-Man cartoon, like to the T. Did you have the big mole? Um, I did not. But I do have a chicken pox That's scar, right. which is oh. fairly similar. I just I think that might have been the reason people were like, we think he's Spider-Man, but there's no huge mole. We're not really sure. Right. Yeah, I think that's probably it. I thought I was super excited and everything, and then like when I realized that n nobody knew, I was kind of Man. bummed out. So. I just that's a shame, but I'm sorry. Any techie dress up or with the girls? Uh, no, not this year. Not this year. So, because I kind of got more into my costume last year than I got into the kids' costume, and I think she was a little annoyed with me when she said, <laughs> "Will you please help me?" And I said, "No, I have to find my corduroy brown pants." So, mm. right. <laughs> <I'll do it. laughs> any any Halloween stories for you? No, we did. Halloween's my favorite holiday, and we we didn't do anything this year. There was nothing really going on. What? Why is Halloween your favorite holiday? Oh, because you get to dress up and you get to eat candy and you get to play pranks on people. That's like April. So be somebody different, you know. I can see that. I can see that. I was really disappointed because, like, three houses down, they decked out their house with all these like really scary masks and like just demonic-looking skulls and everything, like right in their front yard. So. 
every time you drive by for the week before Halloween, your kids are like, well, what's over there? <laughs> and you have to, like, explain to them and then say, you know what, we're just not going to drive this way. We're going to come from the other direction. Like, it's it was it's ridiculous. I don't know. Some people go a little too far. Like, I, I'm just not big on the whole scary, demonic aspect of it. I'm more of just a, you know, let's dress up, have a good time, you know, bob for apples, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Not the whole foolish thing, you know? Yeah, I don't know what the deal is, like, why people were like that. Well, anyway. But we have the biggest the biggest Halloween costume store in Ohio is right beside the biggest comic book store in Ohio, and they're both here in Fairborn. I thought they were in Eden. No, uh-uh, Fairborn. I think... Bookery and Foy's. Oh, yes, I've been there. Yeah. It's like, you know, we could go... We went and I got my comic books for the week, and then went over and looked at Halloween costumes, and they had some pretty... Pretty cool Marvel stuff. Like, there was an official Daredevil costume, and it wasn't the movie Daredevil. It was, like, the Marvel comic book Daredevil costume, and uh, there was an official Ghost Rider costume, and Beast from X-Men, and just some obscure guys that I wouldn't have thought Marvel would have made costumes for. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it was nice. Right on. All right, well, let's give out some contact information. Contact information. <laughs> All right, this is Marvel 616 Politics. Wait, and Kirby. <laughs> so you can always visit our website at marvel616politics.com. You can email us anytime you want at marvel616politics at gmail.com. Look us up on Twitter at 616politics or twitter.com slash 616politics. And I think that's mine. What are you two? Yeah, I think we uh you can also interact with us. Uh if you you know, if you have a really nice comic book of voice, you can interact with us. Otherwise don't call. But you can give us a call and leave us a message at six one six seven five five Tina. Ask a question, leave a comment, or you can even interact with us on a daily basis on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Marvel six one six politics. And Andy, don't we have a uh, chat room now as well? We do, I forgot about that. Six one six politics dot com. So and pretty soon we're going to integrate that into the website so that you can go there and just view the website and view the commentary and then uh, go to the chat room all in one place. And why, why would you say don't call if you don't have a cool voice? Well, I mean, I just don't want anybody calling and say, you know, aren't cool because we're cool. We're not nerds, right? What are you talking? No, no, we're going to talk about that later. Nerds, not nerds, geeks, whatever. Anybody can call. Up there, that was my setup to, so that we could, get, you know, get ready for our debate later. <laughs> I will fight you. I will debate. It was you. my setup, and you killed it. <laughs> Anyone, give us a call if you want. We're not. Absolutely. Everybody and anybody, have your mom call us. That'd be great. Have my mom or anyone's mom? Anyone's mom. Well, your mom can call too. She listens. That's true. That's true. That would be awesome if your mom called in. Bonnie616-755-TINA. That's right. You heard me. Tina. T-I-N-A. Call. I leave a message. I that you called her Bonnie. We call her Bonbon because it's like Grandma Bonbon. Call your mom Grandma? Well, I mean, my kids call her Grandma. Uh-oh. Call her Bonbon. Bonbon. Okay. Her name's Bonnie. Bonbon growing up or did you call her mom? I called her Ma. Oh, or Ma. Ma. Hey, Ma. 
Y me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm her favorite. I gotta be honest. Yeah, uh, there's been some talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, right on. I think we got two issues tonight, some good issues. Good issues to review. And then we got our talking points, which is going to be our little debate session we got going on. And then um, we may hit on one or two State of the Unions just very quickly. And then, of course, how could we forget our Tina Awards, right? Absolutely. All right, so let's do it. Let's do some current events. All right, buddy, you got the first one. Current events. All right. Yes, I do have the first one. What? I forgot about the bumper. (laughs) Man, I am trying to be Johnny on the spot here, and you're killing me. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bro. Uncanny X-Men number 529. This, I mean, obviously the dots and cover just mystified me, okay? And it just sucked me right in. Really? You like that? I love Dodson's covers. Did you like his previous one with 528 with Storm and Hope? Mm, I don't even remember what that looks like. It's Storm and Hope, and then there was like a picture of Africa on the back. Let's find out. Uncanny 528. Yeah, it was all right. It wasn't the best. Well, that's why I was just trying to make a comparison between this one and that one. I don't like that they're that simple. Why is this? You're saying Africa's behind them? Oh, oh, okay. I got you. Storm is in the shape of... I know my geography. (laughs) Who said that wasn't Africa? (laughs) Dude, you know what? And this is embarrassing to admit, but I really just like the texture of Emma Frost's costume. And I like how Dodson does that. Because everybody else is so skin tight, but this one looks like it kind of, like, bunches. Yeah, it's real. It looks more realistic. Right. And I've always... Always liked how they did Emma Frost's face. Always. I have to say, out of any artist that has done Emma Frost, I like Dotson's face on her the best. So that's Dotson's face on Emma Frost? (laughs) Mock me again, Mayo. (laughs) Sorry. It's a heated bedding pad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's something. There's something there. Yeah, all right, all right. Let's let's do this. Yeah, it's a good cover. I like it. <clears throat> you you variant? Did you pick up the variant? You like this cover? No, I'm saying what about the variant? No, 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 no. Did you like this Dotson cover? Oh, it's not bad. It's not my favorite Dotson cover, but it's not it's not his worst. Okay, because you don't like Dotson. I like Dotson sometimes, but he's got to get me on a good day. Okay. The variant. Dude, I am not about this. I am not. <laughs> I, I I did not pick up the variant, but I looked it up online. Uh, no. I do not like this Emma Frost. You can, like, get cleavage a mile long with red eyes and red lips and fangs, and she's going after Scott. No. I I don't like this. I don't. The only The only vampire cover I have liked so far is the Iron Man cover where he's looking in the mirror with his helmet off and he's not there. That's the only one, because I think that's clever. Mm. But this ha- this one has so much to do with the story. <laughs> 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 nice! <laughs> All right. 
All right. Have you? Uh, I heard that this guy was, uh, what's his name? Wilce Portacio, the uh, the penciler. Yeah. Supposedly, he's done a lot of Marvel uh, of X Men. Oh yeah, dude. He when uh him when Jim Lee was around like in ninety one, ninety, eighty nine, he's like he was one of the big ones that left Marvel to go form Image. It's like him and Liefeld and and Silvestri and Jim Lee, all those big guns, all the big guns at Marvel back in the day. Now I like Silvestri stuff, but I don't see anything really spectacular about this art. Well, he's really evolved a lot because if you look at his Uncanny X Men run uh, back with like ugh, like two the two eighties, two hundred eighty issues um, when he was drawn. X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, it looks quite a bit different than it does now. I, I kind of prefer his older style. Okay, I'll have to look this up, because this looks like an amalgamation of, like, Silvestri and Land. You know, like Greg Land? Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, kind of like the texture that he uses to draw with. It just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, it's kind of weird. And and number two, it looks like this girl has a broken ankle in her stiletto heel boot thing. All right. All right. Again, I wrote out, I wrote out my summary. I am totally prepared. Again, a beautiful cover by the Dotsons. Simple, but I love the textures. Now, into the story. The setup here is that Hope has returned and Cerebra has picked up, uh, five new mutants in the previous issues. Uh, we've seen them collect, I think, three out of the, out of the five. Is that correct? Okay, we got Lori with the ability of flight, and she has blue shifting crystal skin. We have Gabriel with speed power, but he ages very fast. Uh, we have Idy Oconquo. Does that sound right? Sure. Okay, Idy Oconquo uh, with power over fire and ice. So she has, like, one side she can do ice, and the other side she can do fire. All right, this issue introduces um, Tion. Tion seems to be uh, superhuman strength and speed, but he has really unknown powers beyond that, And but he's just definitely your basic feral individual. And then we haven't, I don't think we've seen Kenji Uedo yet, Uedo, uh, and he has something to do with art or, or sketching or something. What we'll see, I think we'll see in the Generation Hope number one. All right, now we meet Taeon. He is your basic feral so far. He is running around a club looking at all the girls with one instinct, and that instinct is mating. We then see him outside in the city, and apparently he had taken one of the girls, and her boyfriend is none too thrilled about it. The group of guys with him starts yelling at Taeon or Taeon. What did you read this as? Taeon, Taeon? I, I said Taeon. All right, I knew you would. You're always, like, making... The name's spectacular. <laughs> Makan. Mr. T. We could call him Mr. T. <laughs> Mr. Tay. That's what you would say. All right. So Taeon, but all he can think about is a fight or flight instinct. And he chooses to fight, and he starts to own these guys. Then out of the blue, we see Sam Guthrie, Cannonball, fly out to the rescue. Taeon chooses flight this time and takes off. He seems to be faster than a normal human. Sam is angry that this guy has ducked him again and calls Rogue, who is with Hope and the other three of the five lights that have been picked up already. 
Uh, they are heading towards Sam, who is, we find out, in Miami Beach. The three lights seem to be excited about the prospect of going to Miami, and Hope is looking forward to finishing this mission of picking up these lights. All right, we cut. There was a lot of cutscenes in this, man. There was like one page here, one page there. It was very difficult to follow, I thought, for the for some of it. Yeah. All right, you can chime in anytime you want to add something. You're doing great. Oh, thank thank you. <laughs> All right, we cut to Phantom X in a sensory deprivation tank, but who is abruptly roused when he um, senses someone over him. It's Emma who has a proposition for him. Now, I do have to say that this angle of Emma, this looks more like a cuckoo than Emma, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she looks a bit too young. Yes, but I got to say, I do like this this shot of her. It's It's pretty nice. More so than some of the other ones. You know, like, some of the other ones is just, I don't know. This looks more classy, I think. Yeah, as we may go right through the story, there are a couple of rough shots. Exactly. All right. All right. Uh, so Emma has a proposition for him, and she explains that she needs him to help her kidnap a prisoner in the brig that no one is supposed to know about. The only people that know are her, uh, Phantom X, Kitty Pride, and Danger who is the sentient android warden over the brig. The trick, uh, and the prisoner, is Sebastian Shaw, so, who I think everybody believes is dead, correct? Yeah. Okay. The trick is to get Sebastian Shaw out of the brig without anyone else finding out and without danger stopping them. We then change scenes to where Phantom X is entering the X-Club lab. We haven't seen enough of these guys. Um, he sees... <laughs> He sees Madison Jeffries looking at a holographic diagram of danger, and he is seemingly infatuated with her. <laughs> I don't, I don't get this part. Um, so this scientist is just totally enamored with this sentient android, uh, to the point of romantic interest, which this boggles my mind. Like she has no personality. She barely has a body. <laughs> what would you find interesting about this individual? He's got Scarlet Witch Syndrome, man. I guess, but oh. the but Vision has a personality. Well, he was pretty stoic, too. I, I guess. I guess. But as we saw later, the Scarlet Witch is pretty much crazy, so... Well, maybe Box is pretty crazy, too. <laughs> he, he must be, all right? He's got the he's got the makings of a nice mullet, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Alright, so <laughs> Phantom X plays on this infatuation, talking him into taking her on a date, and there was a little hypnosis involved here. Um again, another scene change. We are now in Chinatown in San Francisco, and we see a group of quintuplets all dressed in black clothes and green sunglasses getting off the bus. Uh, the lead individual says, we can do business here, and then they form into one, and we see the caption in the lower right-hand corner, population plus five. Now, this this was like out of nowhere. What is going on here? Do you have any idea who this is or what's going on? Well, I mean, they're in China. Well, Chinatown, I'm sorry. The only thing I could think of was maybe it was Collective Man. From? Do you know Collective Man? No, I don't. He's a, a character of Oriental descent, 
and he can make duplicates and stuff. He was in, uh, when, after the whole, uh, you know, black leather costumes were done with, um, he was a villain in Uncanny X-Men for a little bit with Rogue and, and Gambit's team. I, I don't know if you were reading back then, like when Gambit lost his eyesight. I believe I was. Yeah, he should have been around at that time. <clears throat> I can't remember, because I remember when they had those costumes, I thought. That was around four... Uh, oh, this was... this was probably, I think this was the regular X-Men title. It was Uncanny. Oh, oh, it wasn't... It was like Iceman and Polaris and Rogue and Gambit. Oh, yeah, it was... Yeah, like Children of the Atom age? Yeah, yeah, around around there. Okay. This, yeah, I was. I was flipping. only person I could think of. This is, but it could be a brand new person as well. Oh yeah, that would be great. We need somebody else who they don't develop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway, that was a great page in this comic, and it really had something to do with the story. <laughs> so uh, we're back to the hotel in Miami Beach, and the Five Lights are talking with Hope about how to best track down Taeon. They figure out that he is after alpha females when all of a sudden Taeon climbs into their window. Very coincidental. <laughs> he rushes Hope and doesn't know whether she's a potential enemy or a potential mate. So he's like, fight or mate, you know. Then we go back to the brig where Danger is interrogating Scalp Hunter. And uh, how did they pick up Scalp Hunter? He was part of bringing over all the... Um Predator X's to Utopia. Oh, okay. Remember? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Alright, she's interrupted by Madison Jeffries asking her to go to the picnic lunch, uh, having been talked into it by Phantom X. Again, back to the Miami hotel room. There's a fight going on, but eventually Rogue grabs Taeon enough so that Hope can touch him, and at her touch, he begins to calm down and now sees Hope as his master instead of an enemy or a mate which I thought that was pretty interesting. So it's pretty much like Wolverine, but under control. We then go to a new scene with, who did you think that was? That was Dr. Rao and Cypher? Cypher with an S? I mean, with the two doctors? Yeah, who's the who's the dreadlock girl? I was thinking it was Dr. Cecilia Reyes. Oh, I thought that was the other girl. What other girl? No, I thought her name was Dr. Rao, not Reyes. Dr. Rao is different than Dr. Reyes. Oh, well, which one's on the X Club? Dr. Rao. Oh, who's Dr. Reyes? Dr. Reyes, she joined the X-Men back in the 90s for a few issues. She can make shields. Oh. Okay, so are the... She came back in a couple of issues... In, in some, like, uh, miniseries or something, I can't quite remember. Oh, see, I was just thinking they were the same. Because when I wrote this, I was like, I think that's Dr. Reyes. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not sure about that name. Let me look up who's in the X Club. And I said, oh, I got the name wrong. It's Dr. Rao. So I was thinking Reyes, but okay. Yeah, they're different. Yeah, Dr. Rao, remember, she's the one from Astonishing. <laughs> who, you know, came up with the mutant cure and the whole Ord thing and everything. Right, yes. And Dr. Reyes is different. Okay, so, um, so Rao is not a mutant, right? Correct. Okay, she's just a regular human, right? Yes. Gotcha. All right, so there, 
I mean, this this to me was out of the blue. Maybe I am totally missing something from the last issues. So this is what I need your help with. But they're looking at like a a, a microscope slide. And um, they're talking about a pandemic and how quickly you would realize it or what it would look like on day one. Like, how would you know that a pandemic is breaking out until it's too late? You know, until you can classify it as a pandemic. So they're, they kind of look in the infirmary. I see dust. I see rock slide. And I don't know who that other chica is. Surge. Surge. Thank you. And so they're all looking in on them kind of in the infirmary. Then uh, we go back to Emma talking to Kitty Pride telepathically. Emma is complaining that Kitty never shuts up. And um, Kitty is in like a suit, a phasing suit. It's pretty much like her phasing tube, but she can walk around. Right? Yeah, that's what I gathered. Okay, now I think this was developed in this issue. It was like off panel. Yeah. <laughs> By the X Club. Okay. All right. So this is amazing, but yet we're not curing her. So anyway. All right. Emma is complaining that Kitty never shuts up, and Kitty brings up a question about Shaw and what's going to be done about him. Then we see the answer is Phantom X is carrying an unconscious Shaw out of the brig. They load, uh, they load up on Eva, or EVA, as Danger watches from a distance with Jeffries. Danger alludes to the fact that she let them take Shaw to figure out whether humans are inherently good or bad, or if they can change back and forth. I, I just wanted to harp on this just a second. She's trying to figure out if people fall into the category of good or bad when they're born, or if they can go back and forth in, in between those two categories. And she gives the impression that she kind of did this on purpose. She let them and that she's studying Emma. Okay, we go to the ship where the group is discussing the likelihood of, of getting away with this. Emma says that danger will only hurt herself by telling anyone because she was not supposed to keep Shaw in the first place. Kitty then asks why they all have to take the heat for her plan. And Emma responds by saying that she has been a loyal and faithful uh, teacher teaching mutants how to survive and defend themselves in a world that wants to kill them. She says that she will keep doing that and that with people like Shaw around, she will be able to continue to do that. She then seemingly changes the subject, talking about her gray hair. She says that she has begun to go gray as of the past year. I believe this is a metaphor for her actions instead of, obviously, her gray hairs. Her two gray hairs that she found represent those that she has lost in the past year. A girl named Jay, who I don't think we met, and Kurt, who obviously is Nightcrawler. Uh, these two were killed during Bastion's attack on Utopia in San Francisco. She decides to name her two hairs after her dead friends and uh, the X-Men, she says. So that's what she says. She decides to change her name her two hairs after dead friends and X-Men. And that's that's the end of this issue. Yep. What did what did you think? Before I go into the three points that I want to touch on, what did you think? Well, for me, the issue was just kind of is a bit too scattered for my liking. It was just kind of all over the place. Um, what I always try and think about, you know, a good issue of X Men or Uncanny X Men 
is one that I know I can go back to, you know, a couple years from now and I'll reread it just because it's just such a good issue on its own. Uh, there, I've got a lot of those issues, but I haven't really had any in the past about five years that I know. Yes, I can just go back and read a standalone issue. And this really isn't one of those either. Yeah, um, but don't you think that's, be- I mean, do, do you think that's because the issues aren't good or do you think that's because people are writing for the trades now and they're not writing for issues. Well, I think it's probably a combination of both. Um, but also, too, like the characters, like, I don't know, the, the characters in this whole issue weren't particularly my favorites, you know. I, I, I It goes back to that whole interest thing that we kind of talked about on our last podcast. Is, you know, I'm just not really interested in, in the dynamic of Phantom X, Shadowcat, and White Queen. They're just not three of my favorite characters at all. I, I'm not big on the whole Five Lights thing. I don't really care about that. I could care even less about a, a romance between Box and Danger. You know, that kind of stuff. Well, I don't even think that's a plot point. I think that's just a, a device to get Danger out of there. But we'll see, I guess. <laughs> I guess... We may not. I mean, there are so many loose ends to Fraction's run on this book. It's amazing. I can't believe he's left Kitty in there, and we and there's some issues we don't even see her. And then now all of a sudden she has a costume and she's running around, and no one else knows. <laughs> yeah. It's... Did you notice the art change in the last few pages? Yes, I did. I I, uh, I tried to understand what was going on, and I tried to re-look up exactly who was doing it. And it was it was kind of subtle. It kind of I, I kept looking back and forth. And I was like, it could have shifted. I guess he, if he sat down to do it like two different times, but it's just way too strange. Yeah, it's a lot different. What what did you think of the issue as a whole? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I took my time to read this one, and usually if I'm rushed, you know, I'll go through it and say, okay, what happened? What happened? What happened? But I've been trying to take my time to enjoy these issues a lot more and so I can understand, you know, what's going on and all the pieces that fit together. So I would have to say that, you know, I, I'm willing to give the Five Lights a chance. I don't think we need another super team, and I don't understand the editorial reason for having them totally. But I'm willing to give them a chance. I want this this to wrap up, you know, before the point ones come out, which is supposed to set the stage for the next year. I, I want all these issues to wrap up. So I'm trying to really get how they all fit together, what characters are going to be important, what characters are not. And um I'm really interested to see whether or not Emma is going to stay good, stay bad. And I had that thought going into this. So when I read about her talking about, or, or Danger talking about good versus bad, and then her talking about going gray, I kind of, you know, putting two and two together and saying, okay, what are they trying to set up for? Uh, Emma Frost has been a good guy for a while now, like a long while. And like 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not in comic book X-Men. time. But that's just an X-Men because she, she was a uh, leading generation X for 10 years before that. Right, exactly. I just read that today. So then the question is, with Phoenix, if Phoenix comes back, or if Jean Grey comes back, then does that give an opportunity for her, Emma, to be evil again? And would they do that? And if they are doing that, can we just automatically assume that Jean Grey is coming back? So I'm kind of kind of feeling all that around. And But then again, 
I was totally lost because, you know, you know I like um, Morrison's run on the X-Men, and I thought it was probably the best I've read so far because it all fit together, and he did it so well, and all the plot points really carried over. So I'm still waiting for all the plot points I've seen with Fraction to really start to come together, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, I, I started watching Heroes, you know, a while back, and it was like, Okay, this may fit together, this may fit together, this may fit together, but really we're putting all these in here so we have ideas for stories later so that we can come back to it. That's not why you write. You have a story in mind and you say, I have this fantastic story that I have to tell and I'll lay all these clues out instead of I'll lay breadcrumbs for when I forget what I, where I was going. I can go back and say, oh, this is where I was going. And that's what this feels like. Sure. One point, I, I mean, what do you think about the Emma Good... Or bad thing? Do you think that that's they're gonna address that? Do you think that's what the comic was actually saying, or do you think that I'm reading too much into that? Well, you know, I'm trying to be. I try not to be so negative about the issue. I guess I just didn't care for it. But I mean, we've seen this how many times in the past ten years? Like once a year, is Emma gonna turn bad? You know, she joins the the Dark X Men and she's with Norman Osborn. Oh, is she gonna turn bad? No, she's not gonna turn bad. Is she gonna? But, you know, she puts on a black outfit instead of white one, and she's going to turn bad. In, in Astonishing X-Men, you know, she's working with Sebastian Shaw and Cassandra Nova. Oh, is she going to be bad? Like, that, that to me has just been played out so much, whether Emma's going to turn or not. She's not turning. We can see she's not going to turn. I don't see Marvel really letting her turn at this point in time. She's a fairly popular X-Men character. She's like the female X-Men girl right now. Yeah, so... Just give it up and just keep her to the conniving person that she is, but stop playing this back and forth. Well, I thought that was the most interesting part of the issue, though. But it's been done before. That's why I'm just like, uh, it's I've been, seen this. It's been done before, but not in such a literary sense. I, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm giving Fraction too much credit for this, but I, I really think that with this issue in mind, not necessarily the whole story arc of how it all fits together, but with this issue in mind, he's saying, you know, here's a, a character study, and uh, just as Danger is studying it, we're going to be delving into whether or not a person can actually change or if they're born a certain way. And I don't know, that really interests me. And I, I mean, if they if they harp on that the whole time and he keeps it next issue, then I'm all about it. But if he doesn't keep it next issue, then this one was kind of poorly written because if you're going to have a standalone issue with one theme, you need to have that theme throughout the entire book. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see I didn't see that in the beginning, or so that makes me think that it's going to have to stay there the whole time. Why does it make you think it has to stay there? I it would have to stay there the whole arc to not be shoddy writing. Okay. So, you know, but hey, what what outbreak are they talking about? Is this something new, this issue, or is this... I mean, I remember reading in some interviews that they were talking about something like that. But it's just an unnecessary thing, I think, you know? Well, this... Aren't the X-Men already being taken over by the vampires See, right now? that was my question. Like, it's an outbreak of vampirism? Because, like, why would the flagship X-Men title not wrap into what the rest of the 
616 is doing right now. I mean, we just had Spider-Man versus Vampires come out, right? So yep. why would the X-Men story arc that's going on not fit in? It just doesn't make any sense. But I think that's what it is. I don't think this has anything to do with vampires. So just like, have we seen people get sick in previous issues? I haven't, but I know that there was an interview and they were talking about bringing back, uh, I think it was for X-Men Legacy, though. I don't think it's for this title, for bringing back Pandemic. Do you remember him? No. Him and the Children of the Vault. Oh, yeah, I do. They were talking about bringing him back, so that was the only thing I could think of, but I'm pretty sure they were talking about doing that for X-Men Legacy. So I really don't know. I wish I did. See, if he was going to lay the seeds for something, I would say that, like, five issues before this, he would have to start having people cough the whole time or, you know, like, not feeling Mm -hmm. up to it or, you know, if they're in a fight, they kind of stagger a little bit or something. Uh, I mean, that makes sense to me. But you can't just be like, oh, it's a pandemic starting right now out of the blue. <laughs> because a pandemic isn't how a pandemic isn't how fast it starts, right? It's how many people it affects. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. Okay, my other uh, my other point was Generation Hope, okay? Um, we obviously see this new team getting together. From what I've read, it's supposed to be like the new generation of readers new X-Men team like you have your standard X-Men but then you have your secondary group like either New Mutants or Generation X and Generation Hope is going to be involved in that in like that category do you see that or no as like being a new team of mutants yeah uh, the next generation yeah yeah this is kind of like I think, uh, the new version of Generation X. All right, tell me a little bit about yeah. Generation um, Did you read Generation X? Oh, yeah, I love Generation X. Okay, all right. Tell me why you love them, and then tell me if you're going to love Generation Hope, and what's the difference if there is one. Love Generation X and not going to love Generation Hope. Why? That's because, um, well, when I first got into comics, was around when Generation X was starting up. Like, Generation X, I think, started up in 94. X-Men, the cartoon, came out in 92. So I started picking up the books around 93. And so, like, when you get in, you just have to try and learn everything because you have to figure out what's going on, you know? Right. And so, by Generation X starting up at that time, it was like I was learning these characters just as much as I was learning about characters that weren't on the animated series, like Psylocke and Iceman, who were in the X-Men titles. So everybody was kind of like, these are the these are the core people. These are who you need to know. So Generation X became just as core as X Men and Uncanny X Men. You know, plus it had Jubilee, and I knew that. Well, Jubilee's in the X Men on the cartoon, but she just left the cartoon to go with this team. So got to be important. So <laughs> Generation X was basically just you know the the younger version after the Phalanx Covenant happened. Um, they they gathered some young mutants like Sink and M and Skin, Jubilee and some others. And Banshee was their leader, but they were using Emma Frost's property, so Emma Frost also became the leader. She was a pseudo-reforming at that time. And uh, so they just kind of let them, you know, the, all the all the Xavier's teams always turn out with, you know, we're going to try and teach them how to use their powers, but there's never any teaching. There's always a villain, and you get beat up, and you send people into peril, you know? <laughs> That's how it always is. Right. <laughs> and, uh, 
So that's basically what happened with Generation X. Was it was just a young version of the X-Men going out and fighting bad guys and stuff. And it, it was just, I really enjoyed it because all those characters, those the ten members of Generation X, I just took for granted that these were main people. You know, so I really got invested in them. And, and um, it was written by Scott Lobdell and illustrated by Chris Bacallo. And Scott Lobdell was writing Uncanny at the time, so a lot of stuff was interweaved, and it was a similar style. And um, so, so I it was really good. Generation X was really good, probably up to about um, issue forty, um, maybe even issue thirty-five. And then Larry Hama took over, and, and it just kind of got. But, but that's okay. Um, it's still it's still good to just go back and reread and and see all that kind of stuff. And and you see where all the characters are now. You know, Chamber left Generation X and. He joined the X-Men and then was revealed to be part of Apocalypse's tribe and Skin was killed and, and you know, Jubilee does all kinds of stuff and Penance was revealed to really be M, the, the, the St. Croix sisters and because they had merged together and M was a separate entity and that was kind of all crazy in and of itself. I won't even try to explain that to you. <laughs> and, uh, it, it was just a, it was a good fun read there for a little while. Whereas Generation Hope, you know, it's kind of like um, they, it's it's hard for me to get into a, a book with all you know, 100% all new characters. You know, there's no established, con- not really a whole lot of established continuity where there was a little bit with Generation X. Yeah, but I mean, Hope's been around for two, three years now. Well, she's been a baby for almost all that time. That's the, that's, the, that's simply not, not true. a baby. I'm a child. I'm sorry. Okay. We've only known her in this, you know, this age for six months, you know, not, not too long. And, and, uh, and we, what do we even know about her? We, we know so little about her already. We know that she touches people and it calms down their mutant powers, but then she had a, the Phoenix Raptor and sometimes she can blast. Like, it's like, what, what does she do? Who is she? Does the, the writer just change her to be whoever they want her to be to fit that story? You know, right. so just not really connected with hope right now. And then to throw along five new people, it's like, eh, it's just not something that interests me right now. I'd rather them focus on, you know, getting some of the main books to a sense that I can read them and not want to puke after reading each issue, as opposed to coming up with this new team. Okay, so let me ask you this. Who is the the Generation X now? Is there one? Like a team of them? Yeah, like who is who are those people? What team? It'd probably be the, be the like the young X Men, like you know Pixie and Rockslide and Dirge and Dust. That's who I would assume would be the Generation X of, of 2010. So why don't they have them in a book? Well, they I mean they used to, you know, and I read it. It was New X Men. You read that? Yeah. Was it I good? Read New X Men. I thought New X Men was decent. It wasn't my favorite, but it was decent. Then when they switched to Young X-Men, did you read those? Oh, I read Young X-Men. Yeah, it was terrible. It was awful. Gosh. But that was that's Mark Guggenheim for you. So I, I'm not a fan of his at all. But then I think they're trying to also get the nostalgia feel back because they've taken all the people that used to be New Mutants and basically brought them back to their same personality when they were New Mutants and put them back in New Mutant costumes and they're calling them the New Mutants. Right. So why can't we... Why can't we use those? I mean, are they trying to reach three separate demographics? 
I feel like they're just kind of just, something's got to stick. Something's got to work. We can go old school and get the new mutants together and, and pretend like the past 20 years of history haven't happened and just revert them back to their old, you know, emotional selves. We'll see if that'll work. Well, the nostalgia won't work. Well, let's create a new group, just like with Generation X. We'll, we'll do them. Well, what do you... That won't work. What do you think's going to work? What's the answer? Just write good, just write good stories. Don't try and try and appeal to the nostalgia people or to new people or to people that are right in the middle. Just write a good story with good characters and not gimmicks, and you're going to be fine. I I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think that if you're going to do a plot, you need to stick with. There's too many characters, first and foremost. I think what you need to do is have two teams of your main characters, two separate books, not the same team, but different characters. They can swap people on the team and they can say, I mean, if you if you have it actually in current continuity and say, all right, well, he can't be in this book because he's in this book at this time. And then you say, all right, well, he switches to this book for this story arc because they need him then, you know, all of a sudden he disappears from that mission over there. I think that's good. So you have two teams of the X-Men, and you can swap out your characters, and you can have guest appearances and everything. But then if you want a new young team, you either have the new X-Men, which are your Rock Slide and Pixies, or you have the new Mutants. And, I mean, you're playing with time, though, and that's the thing. They're like, well, they've grown up, so now there's a third generation but you don't say, oh, well, we need another bunch of new people and create, you know, five to ten new characters that now you have to stick in the universe or else they have to die or lose their powers or M-Day or Genosha. Something has to happen, you know, like that doesn't make totally any sense. Great. Creating new characters that you have to juggle around where you're having the problem of, of, of attracting people, that's not the answer. Make the characters that you have better, I say. Totally agree, 100%. I mean... And that's when the X titles were so popular is when they were doing that. Back in the early 90s, when they had, um, you know, the... The, the gold and blue teams? My train of thought. Yeah, they had a gold team with Storm's group, a blue team with Sky Cyclops group, and they intermingled. Then you had X-Force, you had X-Factor, you had Generation X, and you had Excalibur. Each of those little teams served a purpose, and they had their niche, and that's what they did. Every once in a while, you might see a character float back and forth, but it was very rare because they they kept them where they needed to be. It wasn't it wasn't mixed up all the time, and and you know if there was a crossover, there was a crossover that was maybe you know once every two years. So you could just yeah, I could just buy Excalibur and know exactly what's going on by just buying Excalibur. And it just had, you know, those seven main characters in Excalibur. I didn't have to worry about anything else. If I wanted to supplement, I could, but I didn't have to. Well, I think you probably hit the nail on the head there because you're <laughs> now you're talking about limiting how much you buy, and they want you to buy as much as you can. So, you know, you could say, oh, I just want this. But I think that if you if you take this and then you start swapping characters, then you that's where you get it. Okay, you move Wolverine to this team. You get that person because they like Wolverine, they're reading this book, but now they're interested in the other characters there, and you, they start to like these characters. 
because they're spending time with them. You move Wolverine back to the other book, they buy the other book, but yet they still like these characters, and so now they're buying two books. Okay, I can see that. I think that's the way they should go. I, I, that's how they need to do it. And uh, with the niche teams and everything, I mean, right now we have no real rhyme or reason why why Rogue is with Hope, and then now she's you know she's in India and she's with Magneto, and but Magneto's not with her with Hope, and you know what's going on? Well, what about Wolverine though? Like for real, Wolverine is just I don't, he's a vampire. He's in hell. And he's in a cosmic group with the Avengers, the the uh, the new Avengers. But then he's in the future with the regular Avengers. Uh, what? And he's and he's fighting the Chaos War. Oh, I forgot. He's in the Chaos War. Yep. Gotta, can't forget. I know that we kind of got wildly off topic, but it's just when it just doesn't make any sense. It's just beyond the point of return. I feel right, and I think that this is where they're losing ground as far as continuity and people jumping in. It's not a numbering system. It's kind of like if you read, if you pick up and say, well, now I have no idea what's going on because I can't even look back into this own book and find out. i got to go read like 100 issues of this book and 100 issues of that other book over there to figure out what's going on. Yeah, yeah. All right, enough of this. We're going way long. Let's do your issue, buddy. What do you got? We'll try it wrap it up a little bit quicker. Well, we've got we've got a little change here, folks. Usually uh, I'm the X-Men man, and Andy's a Spider-Man man, the Spider-Man man. But we're switched up, and uh, Andy did the X title, and so I got a Spider-Man title. So we're going to do Carnage number one. Woo! Right on, dude. Right on. I'm all about this. I remember when they announced this a few months ago. I was like, and they showed the cover with Iron Man and Spider-Man with Clayton Crane. Like this, I'm there. When, uh, this, and when I heard Wells was was uh, writing this, I was all about it. Now tell me about him. What what else has he done? Well, he's currently doing the New Mutants. He does a lot of the um, the Lizard story arcs. Every time Lizard shows up, he seems to write that Spider-Man issue. Um, he's pretty talented. The way he got his job at Marvel is he won a, I think he won the the Wizard video you know, movie contest. Him and his friends made a movie and they submitted it to the wizard contest. They won. And then uh, Marvel approached him after that. So he's a, he's a kind of, he's a pretty young guy, but he has a pretty good command of what's going on. I mean, I, I don't know the new mutants, but I do know that when Cypher came back, um, Cypher with a C, not with an S, uh, he was doing really fantastic things during the crochet with Cypher. He was writing that. Yeah, he's writing New Mutants currently. Okay. Well, dude, these these covers, the the Carnage cover and then the Iron Man Spider Man cover, I love them. I love his style. What do you think? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, he was doing all the Necrocious stuff, and it he's kind of the total opposite of you know when you see a cover and they're all like muscled out and everything, and you have no idea like that. That's not really how people look. But here, they're, they still have muscles, but they're not big. They're lanky and they're, you know, stretched out. And you can actually see how the people move and the wrists. And I don't know. I really like this this style. Yeah, and it's like it's not drawn. I don't, I don't know if it's like digital painting or, or what he uses, but it, it just looks, it's more gritty and realistic. But 
but not so, but not too dark. It's just dark enough. Yeah, I would have to agree. And it's, he's pretty fantastic. He's, um, they just did, they just released, or DC just released, you know, Batman, uh, Superman Apocalypse, the, the, the movie, the straight to DVD movie. And I think he did some cover art for them. And you can actually see some of the characters look like Selena on, um, or Celine, I'm sorry, from the Crocia. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. It makes me, makes me miss my old X-Force issues. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just let's open up the first page. Do you see the first page with the two cars chasing and you see the road and the turn signals on the road, like the pavement? That's just, that's awesome. I just, it looks so cool. It's realistic, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is nice. It is. And I like the framing, too. Like the panels. Oh, yeah. 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 Clayton Crane. That'd be awesome to get an interview with him. I'll have to look him up. <laughs> Will do. I'll try to find him on Twitter. Okay, so we'll just start off the issue with, of Carnage number one. Spider-Man's kind of narrating the whole issue. And we've got two car. We've got a, a smaller car. Chasing what looks like to be an armored vehicle, an armored car, kind of like a Brinks truck, and uh, then Spider two Spider Man two arms wearing Spider Man gloves are swinging out to uh, go after this car. But as we turn the page, we see that it's Doppelganger. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Yep. Doppelganger. That's how I pronounce it, at least. <laughs> and uh, dude, this guy is menacing. He just he's a dark, gritty scary in your dreams version of Spider-Man and, and he's just he's cool I remember him from some other stuff and uh but then we cut to an expo they're at the the New York Convention Center and they're having a medical supply expo with Michael Hall and what Michael Hall has done is he has he has invented um, a prosthetic arm that will be that can be controlled by silicon circuits using your your thoughts uh so it, so when the, the prosthetic moves, it's more lifelike as opposed to being controlled by a machine or by binary code. And uh, Tony Stark is in the audience and Michael Hall is ribbing him a little bit about, um, you know, not having this, come up with this, this, these circuits quite yet that he beat him to the punch. And, uh, basically it's just prosthetics that read your mind. So, uh, that's the big unveiling at the expo. Um, but Tony Stark is not too happy about what's going on. And he calls Pepper, Pepper Potts, and uh, has her to find out everything that she knows about Michael Hall and all his his company and everything. And it sounds like he didn't really appreciate the ribbing and things. But he hears screaming and looks over and sees a six-armed Spider-Man swinging through the city. And uh, he gives, well, well we, we're, we shortcut over to Spider-Man. Um, right before he calls him, Spider Peter Parker has decided to take the day off. He did not join Tony at the expo and just wanted to sit down and have some cereal and watch a couple hours of Modern Marvel's The Television Show. He just sits down with his bowl of cereal and the Avengers line rings and Tony Stark on the other line, asking him how many arms he's got. He says that there's something going on down here. It looks just like you and you need to get down here and meet me at West Side Highway and 72nd Street. Peter reluctantly agrees and decides he'll take his bowl of cereal with him and try and swing at the same time, because after all, he is an Avenger. You know what? I I really like this picture. 
It's awesome. With with his cereal bowl in hand, and he's got his mask rolled up, and you see his spoon, and yet he's still <laughs> winging his web. Dude, I gotta say, this is this is a good picture. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. It looks like he's got a bowl full of bubble gum. <laughs> Obviously, those are tricks. Come on. <laughs> we can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut back to the street scene of the uh, the little car chasing the big armored car. Um, the people inside say that they're not carrying money, but two units, two police units are on their way, and. Uh, they see Doppelganger fall into their window of their car, and they say, oh, Spider-Man, thank God. And then he opens up his mouth and see the extra eyes and the teeth, and they flip out. And uh, they slam on their brakes. The other car crashes into the back of them. And uh, by this this time, Tony Stark is doing some scans on Doppelganger to try and find out who he is what or what he is. And his scans cannot tell whether he's extraterrestrial, extra-dimensional, he can't tell what language he's speaking, but he knows to tell him to put his hands up, all of them. Doppelganger utters some words, and uh, Iron Man still, his sensors detect that something's about to happen, but the, the, the silk glands on Doppelganger have been activated. And Doppelganger just splashes Iron Man with tons of webbing as he gets away. Um, Spider-Man is able to meet up with him by that time, and uh, Iron Man notices all the cereal on his on his uh, costume and his milk on his shoulder, which is kind of a it's just a, the the detail in this issue is just what makes it, you know, from the, the leftover web on Iron Man's mask, the the milk that's spilled on Spider Man's shoulders, you know. Yeah, I do have to say the mask to the ear to the shoulder. I mean, the the webbing on all that, and then the glow of the eye, and then oh, the next panel right below that, how it looks like Iron Man's frowning. Uh, it's fantastic. I agree. I agree. And uh, so then, so then, Iron Man and Spider Man are talking a little bit about you know who is this Spider Man looking character, and Iron Man describes him, and uh, Spider Man realizes who it is that it's Doppelganger. He goes. He has a little flashback, a nice scene back to what Maximum Carnage was happening back in the nineties, and uh, just kind of fills Iron Man in a little bit on what happened. So I guess Iron Man didn't realize who this guy was. That's fine. And um Dude, I just have to say that this is amazing. Zeb Wells is continuing a story from when I was in fourth grade. <laughs> this is awesome. This is fantastic. When I was not into comics, but I remember a friend of mine walked up to me, he was like, dude, check this out. And he showed me the Maximum Carnage issue, like one of the ones in the middle. And I was totally grossed out because, you know, in the 90s, like Carnage was ripping people up. And it didn't show anything, but it just, and I was like, goodness gracious, if this is what comics are about, I I don't want anything to do with them. But then I saw Doppelganger, right? And I, I saw Carnage, and I was like, who are these Spider-Man-looking characters? Like, what is their story? How come this guy has glowing eyes and six arms and everything? Dude, I I fell in love with Spider-Man at that point. Like, I was so intrigued, and that was right before, like, the, the cartoon started coming on. And, like, that just fit into it. And I was like, when Carnage showed up, and I thought it was Carnage. I thought it was Carnage. 
It's French. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay, well, who is Carnage? I don't know if that's what my friend told me his name was, but like <laughs> when I when I found out that his real name is Carnage and he showed up on the on the show, I was I it, everything totally tied in together, and I was like, the comics and the TV show are similar. I gotta read this. Yeah. So this reading this when I figured out it was Doppelganger. I fell in love with this comic all over again. I was like, oh my goodness, i got to find out what happened. So, anyway, go on. I just had to say that. So Spider-Man, go ahead, right before we go to the next page, he informs Iron Man that the worst part of when Doppelganger was around was the madness that spread. And uh, people were rioting and murdering, and it was just crazy. So he says, hopefully that doesn't happen this time. And then he says, without even turning around, he just puts the thumb up behind his shoulder and says, there's an angry mob behind me, isn't there? And, uh, of course, yes, there is. <laughs> so it's already started. Just as he was speaking it, it was it was starting. So um, back to the truck. Um, the, the two guys are, are webbed up. They're stuck inside the truck. And there's a lady that gets out of the car. And she's saying, you have to make them stop, please. You have to stop that truck. And Doppelganger is right there saying, Marvar. He just keeps screaming, Marvar. And he's attacking the truck with the lady at his feet. Um, the crowd's not thinking, the crowd's not thinking straight, you know, they're going crazy, they're attacking Spider-Man and Iron Man, Iron Man uses repulsors to get them off, and Spider-Man does some webbing to try and get them off as well. Um, but then all of a sudden, many of the mob, many of the people in the mob are caught up in, in a red web-like substance as two figures descend from the sky, one in blue and one in red. Um, that say that you're interfering with the transportation of trade secrets, disperse or be contained. Um, Spider-Man questioned Iron Man if that's his technology, and Iron Man says no, and they reveal their names are Firebrick and Royal Blue. Are you familiar with these people, or are they brand new? Uh, I am not familiar with these people. At first I thought they were Vault Guards, but I, I don't know who they are, actually. Yeah, I, I don't know who these people are either. So he starts to uh, attack some of the people in the mob uh, just as it's getting ready to blast against Spider-Man and Iron Man. Um, I guess he's not. Sorry, I, I read that incorrectly. Um, we go back to the, the truck, and Doppelganger is still attacking the truck, but now his words are becoming a little more clear. He's saying, Mothar, Mothar, <laughs> and uh, the lady grabs her face and is uh, quite shocked at what's, what she thinks is about to happen. Um, the uh, the blue one. What's the blue one's name again? Firebrick. Now that's the red one. Oh, Royal Blue. Yeah, Royal Blue. He is about to attack Doppelganger, and the lady jumps in front, and her arm looks to be singed off, and Doppelganger is shot right through the chest. Um, Spider-Man yells, No! <laughs> and uh, they get out of the webbing, and um, they talk a little bit about who... They don't really talk about who they are or anything, but... Um, they reroute a, an ambulance to come and help the lady. Um, uh, they, the mob says that they would have killed to get into that truck, and Spider-Man realizes that it's mind control and it, it's not all their fault. But they realize that Doppelganger is saying what he's saying. He's not saying Mordor or anything else. He's actually saying mother. And so we cut into the inside of the truck that has gotten away, and it's revealed that Shriek is inside of the truck. And Shriek is kind of a doppelganger's adopted mother back during Maximum Carnage. Carnage and Shriek were the mother and father 
to their band of um, bad guys with Demogoblin and Carry On and Doppelganger. And um, that's who uh, that's who Doppelganger was referring to. And uh, so then they get Shriek out of the armored truck, and the guards say that she should feel right at home uh, because she's going to be around old friends. And there's a some kind of watery vat tank, and it looks to have the Carnage symbiote inside. And the the security guard mutters, "Why so scared?" It kind of made me think of the "Why so serious?" from Batman. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, the last time we saw the Carnage symbiote wasn't um, Sentry ripping him apart in space, like during Breakout or something like that. Yeah, like issue three, four, or five of New Avengers, he just flew right up there, and that's kind of when you knew Sentry was bad, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm glad you're here to tell me these things. I'm glad you realize this. (laughs) No, he was. I mean, like that, because we, with Sentry, you know, we, originally we thought he was this made-up guy, you know, that they discovered, and then we found out it was a hoax, and then they decided, well, no, why don't we just put him in continuity? But we didn't know who he was, but then by flying up and ripping Carnage, Spider-Man's most, you know, powerful villain, and two... Yeah, pretty powerful. <laughs> That's right. a way to put yourself on the map. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, what we see here is is the Carnage symbiote, and we don't see necessarily uh, Cletus Cassidy, who is the host. Well, he is dead. That was in a an interview with um, Zeb Wells. I read today, actually. Oh, oh. They said that Cletus was killed. Cletus, what a name. Cletus was killed, but uh, no offense to anyone named Cletus that's listening to the podcast. <laughs> Cletus was killed, and the Venom, sim- the Carnage symbiote lived, and it's going to be looking for a female host. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I thought the issue rocked. It rocked my socks off. I loved it. They gave a nod to Maximum Carnage, which was one of my favorite stories probably ever written. It was just awesome. I remember playing the heck out of the video game. Oh, yeah, dude. Super Nintendo. Yes. That was just it. That was the... No, it was on Sega. That was the game, you know? And uh, the the art, it just took me back to X-Force because I loved X-Force. The, the last X-Force series was so good. We got to see Doppelganger. It, the Carnage is coming back. I always liked Shriek. I always liked these 90 characters that nobody else likes, you know? Gotcha. But, I just thought it was great. What what did you think of the whole the whole issue? No, I gotta say, I, I totally agree. You know, I I often get discouraged that we we come on here and we talk about what we don't like, and sometimes the most important things that happen are the things that we're like, why why would they do this? But I gotta say, this I I hope this affects continuity within the Spider Man title. But other than that, I think this is a great story just waiting to be told. I think this is fantastic. It's a loose end that somebody wanted to capitalize on. And, you know, they probably talked to Bendis and said, hey, Bendis, you got any plans for this? And he said no. And he, Zeb Wells was like, great, I got a story. And not only that, but Zeb Wells is, I mean, he's getting to work with Clayton Crane. And I, I don't, I, what a matchup. I, I really think that I, if they give Wells an opportunity because he's actually going to be off of the New Mutants book, so I don't know where he's going. But if they give him an opportunity, I really think that he could do well on a Spider-Man, a second Spider-Man title, maybe not the lead, but I, I think that he could be around for a long time if he doesn't you know, burn out. So I'm really interested to see where this story goes, but also what it, what it leads into. 
I'm with you, man. Bring Carnage back full force. Make him be, you know, a character to be reckoned with again. Yeah, I mean, in the Spider-Man titles, we've seen all these, like, you know, the gauntlet and everything. They've gone through all these villains, yet they've changed them a little bit to make them spicier and harder to fight. And But the art's been, been terrible, and the stories have been so-so, and it's kind of been such a strange, convoluted tale. Let's get back to, like, some really, you know, hard-hitting fights. Something that really makes a mark on the character and says, you know what, that was that was tough. I'm going to have to reevaluate how I live my life and, and you know, how and, – and also using science and things like that. I don't know. I, I think that we, we could stand to have a little bit more of that. I don't want to totally go over to that, but we can have more of that. Sure. We can have a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go with, um, you know, because basically, you know, this is almost – you know, this is basically like a 10 out of 10 issue-wise, you know. But there's always going to be room for growth, okay? So, my two, my two, uh, things that kind of just want to talk about is this book comes out every two months. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's it's going to kill me. It's going to take me 10 months to get this whole story. I just want to sit down and read it all right now, you know? I don't think I can wait that long. That's true. I did read that and I was like, what? But the art is so intricate that it may take that long. And secondly, it may tie in in 10 months to what's projected with the Spider-Man title. So I don't really want to rush that. I want to see really where it, you know, where it goes, where it develops and how it fits in. Cause, and this is one of those issues that I was talking about with the Uncanny X-Men, that this one, I can, you know, even though it's not a standalone, I can re-pick this up in five years. I know I can and just look at this one issue and I'll be happy because it's so good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But my other thing is what we've talked about in the past two podcasts are the asterisks. we got to bring back the asterisks. People don't understand what that picture was of Captain America and Spider-Man and Venom and Carnage and Shriek. They have no idea what this thing was, whether this was something that took place two issues ago, two years ago, almost 20 years ago, really, is when it took place. You know, they have no idea, and this could be a great place to just put a little asterisk that says, see Maximum Carnage TPB. Okay. Uh, all right. I I was talking to Jackie about this, believe it or not, and Jackie actually said that she thinks that that's a good idea. She heard when I was editing the podcast, and she said, oh, that's a great idea. I think that would do wonders. Um, as much as I agree with you, um, I think that if they just put see this, that's good, but if they put stuff like, the clever stuff, like the editor, like, you know, Serum Sippin' Steve, you know, like... Oh, that... But. I don't want that. But I have to say that with this art, this specific issue, I think that that box may throw off the feel of the book because of the art on this. Now, and I, I felt a little bit like that with some of the um, sound effects. The sound effects looked like they were placed over top of the art, whereas sometimes the sound effects, you know, you feel like they're placed right there, you know, like in the art. They're drawn in there sometimes. That's what it feels like. I know they're not. Just like, you know, you look at this and you say, oh, well, that, you know, that type of captioning or that type of, of lettering, that really works with this. So they would have to really work hard to get an asterisk box in this comic, I think. Well, and, okay.
okay, then if it's not an asterisk box, you know, I don't, we don't have to, we could even just do a play on words, you know, put it, put it in the front and say, you know, see Maximum Carnage for more information. No, I'm definitely not opposed to that at all. I think, you know, in somewhere. The, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to play, you know, fight on words, you know, about where to put it or just put it in there somewhere. <laughs> just let me know. Let the new reader that sees this awesome cover with Iron Man and Spider-Man on it that makes somebody want to pick up this issue. Let me know how I can read some more about this. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I, I've always enjoyed where you where you pick it up and they say, okay, this issue takes place between, you know, this issue or after this event or something. Because that gives you a sense of where it fits in. So you're not, like, trying to figure that out half the time. Yeah, I totally agree. People don't know who Shriek is. They don't understand, well, what's the big deal that there's this red thing in a big circular jar? Why is this thing calling it Mother? I don't get it. And are they even going to tell me? Probably not. They just assume that we know this. Right. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that because I was so excited that I did recognize it that I didn't even think about the oh, people. Oh, no. That... I didn't even have any idea Doppelganger was going to be in it or Shriek. I had no clue. No, I didn't either. When I saw that picture, I was like, who is this? Why does Spider-Man have? And then I was like, when he said, oh, I haven't seen this guy since the massacre. I was like, massacre, massacre. I was like, they can't be talking about. And then uh, when it dawned on me what they were talking about, that's when I got super excited. I was like, I can't believe it. This is fantastic. (laughs) I'm with you, man. Well, awesome. All right. We, you know what? We are going to run out of time, dude. Yeah. Can you believe we're an hour and a half into it? We've talked about two comics. Yeah, I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) I think we dissect things way too much but hey you know what the fans love it I'm all about it so here's what we're going to do we're going to do our next section uh, if if you're done are you done? I'm I'm all good alright right on here we go alright what we're going to do here is a new section we have kind of a new segment talking points and um We have two different topics we're going to talk about. We're going to kind of discuss, go back and forth on. Um, But let's just pick one. Do you want to talk about – we had a conversation on Facebook where two of our our fans kind of got in a little tiff. And it was – you know, it was pretty civil. But they were talking about should we be called comic book nerds? Should we wear that badge as, as a pride thing? Or should we, you know, try to integrate into the media and say, you know what, this form of media is just as valid as this form of, of, of media, and what's the difference? We could talk about that, or we can talk about this new point one program that Marvel's doing. Which one do you want to talk about? I would prefer to talk about the point one program. All right, let's do that. All right. Uh, for anybody who wants to talk about the nerd thing and, uh, you know, labels and identity and, you know, integrating into the, the social masses... We'll bring that up on Facebook again, and then we'll uh, we'll publish what we had on that, or what our points were on that. But let's talk about this. The Point One program. Can you please explain to me what the Point One program is? I believe, if I read correctly, and you you'll probably have to add a little bit to it, is the Point One program is is the issues will still be numbered, you know, five hundred seventy one or sixty five or whatever. But then at the end of that number will be a point one, so like issue 65.1, and inside of the issue, it'll be the same price as a normal issue, 
but I'll have extra supplemental pages. Um, I believe giving a, um, trying to make the, the casual reader, possibly a new reader, be more exposed to kind of what's going on, who the characters are, and kind of where the series is headed. Am I correct? I think my understanding is let's say, let's take Iron Man. Okay, Iron Man is going to come out with issue 500, and then that same month or or the next month, I'm sorry, the next month, issue 500.1 will come out the same month as issue 501, okay? Uh, 500.1 is what Marvel is saying is a, is a self-contained story that will set the stage for the next year's stories. So it'll be self-contained. You can pick that up and get a full story without it being to be continued or anything like that. And it'll have lead-ins and plot points that will direct the stories uh, for the next 12 to 14 issues. Um, the reason why they're releasing two issues per that month is so that the normal readers won't break up theirs as well. Um, the whole point, that point one, is to signify that this is a jumping-on point. This is for new readers to, to come aboard. So it is a it is a two ninety nine. $2.99 self-contained 22-page story. Okay, well, I'm, thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> yeah. I gave the wrong answer. <laughs> now, so the point one, they they will not have the same information as the titles without the point one, correct? Right. It's like, um, it's basically, it's like a halfway issue between, like, issue 500 and 501. So it's like, Actually, 500 and a half, but they're calling it point one. I don't know why, but I think it's they're they're talking about a jumping on point. It could be point five, but that seems pretty arbitrary. Okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. What do you think about this? Okay, well, first we're gonna. I mean, is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? So I think you took the good side. It's a good idea. Yes, I, I took the good side, the light side, the right side. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think I think that this is a bad idea. Uh, give me. You think that? Okay, I got three main reasons why I think this is a bad idea, and you can talk on this, and we can talk back and forth. Number one, it's not as accessible as they think. Okay, they say that they're going to have a big marketing push for this, and yet the only people who know about it are people who go to comic book websites and who read comic books. So. What are they going to do? Are, are they just trying to get readership from other books onto this book? Or are they trying to get new readership so they can get new money into the, the medium? Number two. Well, let's go with, so let me, let me uh, tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you tell me why, why I'm wrong. Not necessarily why you're wrong, but why I don't agree. <laughs> let's be well, I mean, you say it's not as successful as you think it'll be and you don't know the marketing. Well, I mean, that's just it. We don't know yet. So we can't necessarily say that the marketing is going to be wrong or just people that go to comic book websites are going to see it or that, you know, people won't have access to it because we don't know. Marvel could be putting, you know, we have no idea what kind of marketing ploy they're going to do. You know, if they, if they were smart, they would, you know, there's nothing wrong with throwing up a comic book commercial during a Saturday morning cartoon, you know? There's... That's what they should do. I am all about that. And I was thinking the yeah. best way to do that, I mean, would they put up a live or would they pan over some of the panels? 
Um, would it be live action? Uh, what do you think? I mean, it would have to be a comp, it would have to be a marketing push directed to an audience that doesn't have access to this. Now, I heard rumors, and I have not confirmed this, that during Secret Invasion, they actually had TV commercials for Secret Invasion. Is that true? Oh, I never heard that. Must have been a secret. <laughs> I hope not, but I heard they had a couple TV commercials that, what what was the phrase during that? Like, learn to get along or? Trust no one. No, the the one, you know, the pictures of people looking like scrolls, like learn to oh. integrate. Oh, the good ones. Yeah, like those propaganda pieces. I think that they had commercials for that. Was it Accept Change? Yes, Accept Change, yeah. So I, I think that's what they really need to do, and they need to say, because when you hear the term point one, that doesn't think, oh, that's a that's an invitation to me to start reading comics. But we don't know how they're going to market it yet. You know, is it, is it coming out in May? Is that when they're doing this? It starts in February, February, March, oh. April, I believe. Okay, because they, they, maybe they're going to use this as a, a good idea to supplement Free Comic Book Day. I think it's leading up to Free Comic Book Day. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that um, from what I read, these they're going to have these point one issues all come out before Free Comic Book Day, and then... As Free Comic Book Day comes out, there's going to be a bigger push to sell the point one comics and say, oh, if you like these free comic books, then um, you'll like the point ones because it's a good jumping on point. Oh, just like you said, Jared, you're right. I was right. <laughs> I think it's I think the numbering's confusing. I don't I don't understand why they I mean, I know that it's like of the devil to renumber these and they're, everybody's going back to their original numbering, which I like. But when you see issue 647.1, that's no consolation to me to be, oh, okay, that's way more accessible than issue 647 or 648. Like, it just means that, oh, great, I got to read this one and all the previous ones before that to know what's going on in between the issues. Mm -hmm. No, I'm with you. I, I want to I wanna be on the other side, but I got to be with you on this side. Simply just put out, why not just put out a simple one-shot, you know? Just uh, Uncanny X-Force, just just leave it at that. It doesn't have to be a number one or a number 4.1 or anything like that. It can just be a simple one-shot with that title. Or or why don't you come out with, you know, the, all of the issues are called um, point one or one point or, or starting off and then with a colon and then put the series name, you know, don't. Not necessarily, you know, integrate it within the numbering system. Yeah, I thought about that too. I, I I don't know why they wouldn't do that. And now they they do hand out, you know, the saga books. I'm holding Spider-Man Saga right here, and that's like, oh yeah, you know, that's the free. But the thing is, that that's written by like the marketing department, right? And then editorial is what produces these books because they're actual stories, which I'm all for having actual stories. But what they really need to do, I think. What they, I think what they really need to do is capitalize on what they have on Free Comic Book Day. If, if more and more people are get, jumping aboard for Free Comic Book Day and say, hey, you know what? I heard Free Comic Book Day is coming along. Uh, and you know, Free Comic Book Day ha does half the marketing for you. Marvel doesn't have to do that much. Then they say, you know what? Instead of two issues, we are going to do jumping on points, Free Comic Book Day, 
for these. And th just like that one, we had free comic book day probably three years ago. And, um, it was when Straczynski was still doing his run for Spider-Man and it was, um, Spider-Man extra. We read it and I was like, who in the world is this jackpot? Where is this? You know, how come he doesn't know Mary Jane? What's going on? And all of a sudden we saw a glimpse that set up the story for three and a half years. We saw into the future. I mean, do you remember this? I do. I do. I remember being so confused and then finally realizing that this was a brand new day story. And then I, I was like, you know, they didn't tell me that. They didn't say, this is what's coming up. Because, you know, Brand New Day and One More Day were such a secret. But I, if they're planning it, capitalize on something that already has its name out there. Don't try to, you know, don't tr try to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm with you that they have to have... I think they did hire a PR firm for this. So they, I mean, they really, I think they have to, you know, magazines, TV commercials, they need to do something to get this out there. And the easiest thing to do, I think, I was really thinking about this, the easiest thing to do, people that don't watch TV, people that don't read magazines, people that don't read comic books, they still go online. They still visit the web. If you can get people to go to marvel.com and you have the program right there. You know, people that watch the movies, they go to marvel.com. You know, like get them to the website. If you get them to the website, then you can sell them anything you want. Well, I thought a, a big mistake that Marvel made. You remember 2 months ago when they did the uh Marvel Happy Meals? No, uh. -uh. What? What? Yeah, what? Two, 2 or 3 months ago, all the the kids toys were Marvel. In the Happy Meals. Really? What kind of, like, what kind of stuff? Well, I mean, it was all, it was like the, the eight biggest characters, and they're just like little, um, stand-ups of each character. I got four or five of them. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, but they missed out on a marketing piece. It was just a little toy in a bag, and then it had a code for you to go play some kind of McDonald's game. Like, no, no, you need to have, like, MarvelKids.com or... You know, have a coupon that, you know, you get a dollar off a comic book or, you know, if, if you get the Captain America toy, tell them, you know, you can get, you know, this Captain America book at Barnes & Noble for 25% off or something like that. But it, it wasn't. No, see, I'm all about that. I, I totally agree with you. I think that, I think that they need to capitalize on marketing and I think that they're, they're concentrating on getting it to the masses through, movies, but if they want young readership, they need to do it in different ways. Yeah, because newsstands are not happening anymore, you know? Yeah, no, you never see a newsstand. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they need the direct outlet, but they also need, you know, the subscriptions and they need everything else. And And the problem is, I mean, they're so stuck. People that like comics are so stuck in continuity, and it's not a bad thing. I'm stuck in continuity also. Obviously, I wouldn't be doing a 616 centric <laughs> podcast but they're so stuck in continuity that if you start releasing and saying okay well now we're going to reach a totally different demographic we're going to reach you know the people that read comics online or on their ipad or on their iphone and it's going to be different content people are going to throw a fit and say no you can't release it on just one medium and not the other 
and that's why we get duplication, and that's why we got you know the Peter Parker limited series because all that was released on uh, digital format before paper, and people were like, "Well, I need to read it on paper." But yeah. if, if you somehow, you know, I don't know how to break free of that, and I think that that's a hindrance. I would certainly be upset if they were like, "Okay, well, this comic is only going to be, you know, digital from now on." I would be like, okay, great. Now I got to buy a $600 iPad to read my comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they tried something with motion comic. I mean, they almost did it with Spider Woman. Yeah, they did a similar thing with Astonishing. <laughs> yeah, but Astonishing had already been released, though. They were just, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 we'll have to see. But the more I was reading about it, the more excited I got about it. I, I'm skeptical whether it'll work or not but I'm very excited about the concept of, all right, a new, not just a new era, not just the heroic age, but all right, a new change of stories. We're going to change this direction. We're going to, you know, like big time with Spider-Man. Uh, Matt Fraction's Thor, I think, is taken in a totally different direction. This is the first time I'm actually enjoying reading Thor. Um, I can't wait for the X-Men to you know, go back to New York and see what we have in store. I, I can't wait for Generation Hope to to start up. I don't think I'm going to enjoy that comic book, but I can't wait for them to say, okay, now we can have our own adventures. Because, don't get me wrong, Kyle and Yost, that was a very enjoyable two and a half years. I really had fun with that. But Fraction's run on the flagship title just, you know, has been bogged down time after time. Ever since he started writing with Brubaker, there's no clear direction. You have no idea what's going on. And I know you're such a, you don't like the rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire, but that's the last, that's the last piece of continuity that makes sense to me. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> like I, everything after that is just such a fog. I was like, so they were in the sixties, Omega Red, and, and then now Necrotia. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I, I'm supposed to disagree with you on this article, but. I agree with you on this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we differed at the beginning, but then at the end we agreed. <laughs> yeah, well, I, the bottom line is I can't wait to see what they do. It should be very interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to hit Onslaught for me real quick or no? Onslaught's coming back, baby. All right, let's do Onslaught's some. Booked. Let's do some State of the Union. Do you have enough on that to do a whole State of the Union on Onslaught? Um, I mean, we can just mention it. A quick blurb. Okay, all right, mention it. Quick blurb. Go for it. Or do you not want to do it? No, I, 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 I have no idea what's going on because the link that you put up on Facebook didn't work, and I had, I couldn't get there. Oh. You said I am so Jared is so excited with all caps and all these exclamation points and I couldn't even get there. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, fans. Well, for a quick state of the union onslaught. He's coming back. Maybe no onslaught was Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> me? <laughs> I did. I did bumper you. <laughs> I couldn't remember if we had one for State of the Union. Of course, yes! Yes, 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 yes. Okay. 
All right. Onslaught, as many of you remember, was a huge saga back in the mid-90s. So it brought all the Marvel Universe together to combat Professor Xavier's um, mental entity. Um, Onslaught has been uh, relegated to the negative zone. Last we saw him um, was about two years ago. Um, the, The heroes from The Heroes Were Born got back together, and they... Sent him off to the negative zone, and we thought we were done. But it looks like Onslaught's going to be back in February. Okay, can you explain? Can can you take a, a second to explain exactly what happened? Because I missed that whole thing because I didn't think it was six one six. I didn't read it, Andy. Oh, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I did not read it either. I because I thought Loeb was writing it, and I was disgusted with him at the time. Oh, dude, it was it was Jeff Loeb writing. Rob Liefeld doing the art, and it was Heroes Were Born People. But it had my favorite, like, my favorite villain of all time. But I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So I just looked it up on Wikipedia real quick. Okay. <laughs> all right, go ahead. But you're going to cut all that part out, right? Well, I don't have to. You want me to? Okay. Yeah, that'd be good. Okay. <laughs> we got to look like we know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah. So what we know for the the upcoming Onslaught Return Saga is that, well, details are very sketchy and very few right now, but it looks like it's going to start in February. And from the promotional art, it looks like the Young Allies and the Secret Avengers are going to be battling Onslaught. We don't know if the rest of the Marvel Universe is going to get in on this. Uh, just looking at the, uh, the power core of the Secret Avengers and the... Uh, the young allies. I don't think they're going to be strong enough to take him out. So hopefully this brings in some X-Men characters and Hulk and all that good stuff. Yeah, why would mutants not be involved in this? It it doesn't make any sense. I mean, Onslaught should have his biggest vendetta against them, you know? Okay, now what is Onslaught? He's a mental entity of Charles Xavier? I thought he was like the the combination of, of, of Magneto and Xavier. Well, when Professor X went in to shut down Magneto's mind in X-Men 25, way back in the day. Um, an evil, the evil part of Magneto's consciousness uh, escaped through Professor Xavier's mental beam <laughs> to uh, take out Magneto and entered Professor X's mind. And it slowly started to corrupt Professor X. And then the character X-Man pulled Professor Xavier out of the astral plane. He physically pulled his sonic entity out of the astral plane. So what that did was that the the evil part of Magneto, along with Professor Xavier, came up with with the mental part of Onslaught. But then when X-Man pulled him off the astral plane, that gave him a physical body. So originally, Onslaught existed with Professor X inside of him, but then he was able to, Thor broke Professor X out of Onslaught, and Onslaught continued on as himself. Huh. Interesting. It's kind of confusing. Yeah. How long did this last? Um, this probably lasted about, Onslaught Saga was probably about three, three to four months. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's collected in four different trade paperbacks that came out last year. Four different trade paperbacks for only three months? Well, it was every title. I mean, you had Punisher, you had Hulk, you had the Avengers, X-Factor. Everybody was in the Onslaught saga. Holy cow. 
and then the Avengers disappeared, right? Yeah, the once uh, Onslaught, once Onslaught's physical body broke down into just pure mental energy, there was no way to defeat him except to send bodies into the mental energy to absorb all that and take him out. And so the Avengers, not being mutants, because mutants couldn't go in because that would feed Onslaught. So all the Avengers and the Fantastic Four jumped inside his mental energy and supposedly destroyed him, but actually just sent him to another universe. Okay, and then what happened with Heroes Reborn? Are those our heroes or not? I did not read Heroes Reborn. Okay, all right, because I'm trying to figure out where Nomad even came from, and she says she knows Steve Rogers, but I didn't know if it was a different Steve Rogers or... Well, it turns out, like, the the Heroes Reborn universe still exists, but it's like, you know, in, in orbit with our universe, it's 180 degrees, like, totally on the opposite side. Um, so they still exist, and the Thunderbolts had gone there, and um, the Thunderbolts were there for a long time. And uh, so that's kind of how it's still around, I guess, but I don't know what happened back in the 90s in the Heroes Reborn universe. Gotcha. All right, well, I'm not going to press you anymore. <laughs> no, it's just, as, as I speak it, I realize how confusing it probably is to somebody that wasn't there to read it. Yeah, no, I, I, I've been trying since uh, Captain America 500 to figure out who Nomad is, and I, I like her character, but I can't, I mean, I know she's from the Heroes Reborn era, but I can never figure out if that new costume of Captain America was really Steve Rogers or a different Steve Rogers. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's the sixth one. It's the Heroes Are Born version of Nomad, or Bucky, I guess. All right. All right, that sounds good. Are you ready for our Tina Awards? Are you kidding? Of course I'm ready. I love our Tina Awards. The Tina Awards. This is, I, I got to say, I got to say, I look forward to our Tina Awards more and more every time because I will stump you. I I will do my best, sir, to to crush you with your own favorite Tina Turner. <laughs> and you've tried. <laughs> <laughs> I know I haven't done I haven't done a very good job. <laughs> but how many you got? I've got three. Okay, I have three as well. Oh well, why don't you start us off? Okay, all right. This one is Not Enough Romance. That's the correct issue, but not that. Not enough romance for Uncanny X-Men? Yeah. That'd be Kitty and Colossus. <laughs> no, no. That's a terrible answer. <laughs> oh, 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 I know. It's the, the new guy. Teon, or Teon, or... He's trying to mate with everybody. Right, yeah, yeah, good. Good, good, good. Yeah, Teon, Teon's running around just trying to get with all these girls. He's not romancing them. He's not, he's not, you know, showing them the, the, 
the softer side of things. Yeah, see, I'm already starting to block up these new characters. (laughs) 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 I can understand that. All right, go ahead. Okay, uh, let's stay together. Is this um, doppelganger going after Shriek? Excellent. Great job. Nice. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, they want us, he wants to stay together, and he's not going to let her go away. Got it. Awesome. Yeah, his mom. Wow. I, I have to say, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm amazing. I'm proud. I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number two. Legs. Are you trying to figure out what comic book that is, or are you trying to figure out which album that is from Tina Turner? Oh no, she didn't. She didn't record it. It's just a live version. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had you there. <laughs> um, this would be from Carnage, right? Why? Hey, you know, I ask the questions here. <laughs> yes, it's from Carnage. Okay. Um, it's a really simple answer. Yeah, maybe I'm just making it too difficult. It's because Doppelganger has all those legs. He doesn't have legs. He has arms. Regardless, that's why I picked it. And (laughs) (laughs) Tina doesn't sing arms. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. Minor, technically, you're correct. (laughs) So, my, my, Uh, my bad, my bad. Well, that leads to my next next team award is open arms. Because Doppelganger had all those arms? No. Oh, <laughs> you led me astray. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's the arms thing, the same words. Oh, open arms. Okay, all right, all right, all right. I wish that didn't count. Um, <laughs> is it because Spider-Man was doing so many things with the two arms he had? He had so many open <laughs> arms? No. <laughs> What what issue is it? It's uncanny. Oh, okay, that was totally wrong. Um, okay, open arms because of Madison Jeffries and 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 uh, danger going out on a date. Yeah, I put that, that danger. You know, she was embracing this relationship so quickly, just with open arms. She's just like, yeah, sure, that's great, and I, that's just not that's not the danger I know. No, no, your your extensive Yoss Whedon <laughs> use of danger. <laughs> All right, right on. All right, that's good. 
Um, all right, last one for me. Stand by your man. No. He, they have no loyalty to each other. I know, but the two issues aren't big relationship issues that we've got. That's true. Um, it's in Uncanny X-Men, right? Yep. Would that be Emma and Shaw? Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. She is, for some reason, unbeknownst to us, she is, she's lo- she hates this guy, but she's loyal to him. Yeah. I mean, we have yet to see what she's actually going to do with him, but she didn't kill him when she should have. Yeah, she's had a couple opportunities. Yep, I would say so. All right, well, good All job right. on that one. And our last one is Complicated Disaster. Complicated disaster. I'm I'm just gonna go with Uncanny X Men with the with the new team, Generation Hope. Oh, well, that's a good one. That's a good guess. I can see where that. But no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. My second guess, uh, Carnage, because there's no there's no asterisk box to tell you what's going on. <laughs> No, that's really good. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that's really good. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what Jared would pick. Uh, oh, don't make me give up. Is it just is it just so many changes in Uncanny X-Men like the from from this page to Chinatown back to the X-Lab? Mm-hmm. That's Man, it. You have really good ones. I could see how complicated disaster could be for all of these. <laughs> <laughs> So is that it or no? No, no. Oh, dang it. I really thought that was it. All right, I give up. It's the whole Emma Kitty Shaw Phantom X thing. This I just see this blowing up in their faces. Uh for them to you know, they've kept Shaw under wraps, but they're just slowly, you know, Emma's I don't think Emma has uh tied up all her loose ends with everything. She's brought Kitty into this. She brought Phantom X into this. She thinks she has danger uh where she wants her. I just, I don't think, this is a complicated disaster, and, and I think it's going to, Cyclops is going to find out, and, yeah, it's not going to be good. I don't know, dude. Uh, X-Force was a secret from Emma for quite some time. Yeah, I know, but I don't, who knows, Matt Fraction might not even remember to, to have Cyclops say anything to her about it. <laughs> just another plot point that we forgot about, you know? <laughs> Uh, that may be true. That may be true. All right. Well, that, I mean, that wraps it up for tonight, unless you had anything else. I'm good. Good job on the Tinas and, uh, well done on, I, I, you know what? I don't feel bad that we spent so much time on Carnage and, because Carnage was just, 
it was so good, and it's it's good to have to talk positive about these things. So it's fantastic. Um, but this, you know, Andy, our next episode is the big twenty-five. I know, I know. I don't want to play that up because I I don't know if I can do anything that special. Oh, I mean, it's just another episode, people. <laughs> Maybe we'll get you off the phone and actually onto a headset or something. Oh, or maybe you could fly me down and we could do it in person. What, what, what am I, made of money? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is Marvel 616 Politics. Visit our website at marvel616politics.com. Email us your questions, comments, at uh your 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 MP3s that you that you make any rap songs that you want to send to us that have to do with X Men or Marvel feel free to do that I I posted something the Miss Marvel rap that was pretty good on Facebook I was I was thrilled with that email us at marvel six one six politics at gmail dot com and the follow us on Twitter that's when you know when everything's updated and what the talking points are on our Facebook page. Uh, Twitter.com slash 616politics or just at 616politics. You can give us a call. Please give us some constructive criticism. Are the reviews too long? Are they too short? Do we talk too much? Do we talk too little? What What do you like? What don't you like? Give us a call and let us know. 616-755-TINA. That's T-I-N-A. You can look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Marvel616politics. Andy and I try and get on there every day and interact with everybody that we possibly can. Um, you can also, I totally forgot, we also have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash marvel616politics. We've only got a couple videos up there right now, but uh, we're gonna, we'll get some more up there soon. Fantastic. I forgot about that, too. That's that's hosted by our, our chat room. Our What's friend. the chat room again? Oh, in the chat room. Anybody can call a meeting anytime to discuss anything. It's 616politics.com. All right, and uh, until next time, everybody buy as many young allies as you can. We can save that series. Thanks a lot. All right, bye. say mr jared i really did love that maximum carnage game oh man i played for hours and hours